here. And Father, I believe that your presence is here to heal, deliver, and set the captives free. So I thank you for your presence being amongst us. Father, I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are truly welcome in this place. Be our teacher, be our helper. Lead us, guide us into all truth. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that as I open my mouth, that the word of God come out like fire and devour everything that's going on around us. It comes out like a hammer to break the rocks into pieces. It comes out like a two-edged sword. Let there be light. Let there be illumination through this word today that hearts are transformed, minds are changed in the name of Jesus. God, we just thank you and we just praise you right now. In Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you over and over and over and over again that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And you shall get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 11. And we're going to start at verse 1. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Let's see what St. Luke has to say. Amen. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And when we get there, let us say amen. Amen. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I want to talk about on today, Lord, teach us to pray. God is always bring in this house what needs to be brought into the house. And I want to remind everybody that's um, part of this um, ministry, Miracle Temple, God has called this ministry to root up and tear down the strongholds off of his people. And we know that the strongholds is areas in your mind that has been built up through your way of thinking. And when we think wrong... We're going to live wrong. And if we don't think according to who we are now that we're in Christ, we're going to live outside of the kingdom. And God wants us to live as kingdom people. So we are kingdom people, and we have to do things the way the kingdom does things. And in this ministry, when God say root up, it's rooting up your wrong way of thinking. And the way that um, it is rooted up is through the word of God. So what God does in here, he brings you truth. Because sometimes the enemy will bring you things outside of the word of God. And when you come to believe those things and you don't get rid of those things, as the word of God says, if you don't cast those things down that come against the knowledge of God and bring them into captivity, every thought, then you um, begin to develop a stronghold in, in your mind. And no matter how much I come in and give you truth, until that stronghold is rooted up, then you're going to continue to believe that lie that the enemy told you. Our job in the fivefold is to give you truth because there's error in the body of Christ. And when you've been taught error all your life, then it's hard for that truth to penetrate through that error. But the more you take the truth and you meditate on the truth, whatever area you're going through in your mind, it will be rooted up and it will be replaced with the truth. So we're teaching in this ministry Um, the word of God, the gospel, the good news. When you begin to, wherever you go, teach good news, then it's going to overthrow what um, some other teachings have been about because the Holy Spirit is going to release the power through the word of God that is spoken. So people will be um, 
you know, no truth. So the Lord brought this dealing with prayer. The disciples that was walking with Jesus was asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. I have not found in the word of God, and if you have found it, let me know. The disciples never said, teach us how to cast out a demon. They never said, uh, teach us how to pray in tongues. They never said, teach us how to heal. None of that. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So prayer is um, needed in the body of Christ. And when we understand what prayer is and what prayer is not, then we will take this burden off of us that we have learned from other people saying this is what we need to do or how we need to do it. So how did these disciples come up with, Lord, teach us to pray? Because the Bible is telling you that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And it says... When he ceased, so they were watching Jesus. They were learning from him because they were followers of Jesus Christ. So I believe they were seeing Jesus praying all the time. And when we look at prayer, prayer is communicating with God. It's fellowship with God. It's having a relationship with God. People have taken prayer out of content in the body of Christ. People are using prayer as if, if you don't pray loud enough, if you don't um, pray um, this way, you're not going to defeat the enemy. The enemy is already defeated. And some people are creating different strategies to um, to prayer and going into different cities. You have to, you know, pray this or pray that. When you go into these different cities with the word of God, whatever is there that's not like God, it's going to be dismissed. It's going to be moved. You don't have to have these special intercessory teams to intercede, to bombard heaven, to get something to move, y'all. This is why we got all of this mix up in the body of Christ because everybody has come up with their own formula. All of us in the body of Christ are intercessors. Everybody is an intercessor. You may have an intercessor team, but that team need to line up with what the word of God is telling um, them to do. You don't do it according to different rituals or according to different ways of doing this or that. You do it according to the word of God. You do it according to the way that Jesus set out in the word of God. He is our example. We are followers of Christ. So when we look in the word of God, Jesus had um, certain times that he did pray. Even when Jesus was getting baptized, Jesus was praying. Amen. He was praying. And then when Jesus went up to um, be with the father in the up, up in the mountain, he come down and he was transfigured. I'm telling you, when you get in prayer with God, when you be able to commune with him, communicate with him, fellowship with him, you're going to come out of your prayer room a total different person. People are going to know change before you open your mouth. Because when Jesus come out of that place with God, his disciples knew there was a difference with Jesus. There should be a difference with God's people when you come out of prayer. You should not come out of prayer worried. You should not come out of prayer fearful. You should not come out of prayer wondering if God is going to do what you ask him to do. That means that you don't even know what prayer is. I'm here to tell y'all that we got to know what prayer is before we assume that we're praying because some of our prayers are hitting the ceiling because it's not going to God. When we look at Jesus, he also, before he chose his disciples, Jesus spent all night in prayer before the Father. See, some of us make hasty decisions in leadership. We don't talk to God about it. Remember, prayer is communicating with God before you do anything. This is why the Bible says, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Prayer is dealing with the heart, y'all. It said, lean not unto your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. If you never acknowledge him, how do you expect to get direction from him? That's why the verse say you have to trust in him with all your heart. You can't lean on your way of doing, your way of thinking. See, you got to have a connection with heaven so you can bring heaven down here on earth. We are in this world, but we're not of this world, so we don't do like this world does. We have to stay in communication with God. And the way we do it is simple, y'all, just talking to God. The word of God say pray without ceasing. That means pray continually. All of us in this room can pray continually. How do you do it? When you go to the restroom, you communicating with God. How are you doing today, God? You're talking with God. In your car, you're talking with God. Throughout the day, you're talking with God. That's what it means, pray without ceasing. That means pray continually. And this is what he wants us to do. He said, I want you to stay in fellowship with me. I want you to stay in communion with me. I want to talk with you. This is why in the Garden of Eden, think about Adam and Eve. They had no distractions, y'all. They had everything that they need, and they was constantly in communication with God. And they had to stay in communication with God because God was the creator. He was Elohim. He knew how things worked. He knew how things supposed to be. If you don't stay in communication with him, you will miss it. God reminded me when I was studying this, he reminded me again, Mark from Ork. I said, God, here we go again with Mark from Ork. But he will bring things to you to allow you to see things, you know, um, that nature is doing to allow you to understand how much communication is important. Y'all remember Mark used to say, Nanu, Nanu, whatever it was. That means he was communicating to, with, with Orkin. That's what they call him, Orca, Orkin, whatever. And what he would do, he would get in a place, and he would just call that man's name over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, he was in that place where he needed to be with who he was communicating with. When he got to that place, he was telling him what was happening on earth how earth was being carried out. And then this one thing he said, he said, I found out that there's loneliness on earth. And he was saying loneliness on earth. He said, yeah, people are very lonely. So he was explaining loneliness and he was getting um, his advice dealing with lonely and how different it was from where they were to how earth is. And God showed me that because he said, if you don't communicate with me in your loneliness, if you don't communicate with me in your grief, in your sorrow. You're not going to understand how to overcome grief, sorrow, loneliness. He said, you got to understand that I'm with you always. He said, I will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. He said, that's why when you call on me, he said, I will answer you. He said, I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know, but you got to call on me. You got to seek me early while I can be found. You do not wait until a situation come up and then try to communicate with the Father. You have to have communication on a daily basis. Some of us think our lives are going so well, and it may be going well for a month, two months, three months. It may be going well for a week, but let me tell you, change will come. The enemy will wait for opportune time 
to come in and hit you with something that you're not ready for. That's why when you stay in communication with God, that's what prayer is. You begin to see things that you never saw before. God began to show you the plan and the strategy of the enemy, what the enemy want to do on your job, what he want to do in your marriage. He will even show you in an affair and the husband line. That's what communication does. And he'll even show you how to love the man or love the woman, even in the midst of their mess. Why? Because you're in communication with heaven, with the Father. So these disciples saw how Jesus communicated with his Father. When you read in John, the fifth chapter, he talks about how he go to the Father how he talks to the father, how him and the father are one. And he don't do anything outside of what the father do. He don't say anything outside of what the father says. So we see that they had a relationship. They had a connection together. So anything that was opposite of what the father was doing, Jesus didn't do it. Anything that people said opposite of what he learned from the father, Jesus would not participate. Jesus would tell them this is what heaven is doing and this is what earth is going to do because of heaven. So he spent that time with the father. It was one instance in John 11. Y'all know Lazarus, he died. And Jesus took his time getting to Lazarus. Come on, who does that? They knew that he was Jesus. They knew that he healed, he delivered, and he set free. They knew that he had the power to cast out demons. But then he took his time to get to Lazarus. Jesus knew that he was the resurrection and the life. How did he know that? Because he stayed in communication with the Father. God said, when I send you to a place, I'm sending you to that place to bring glory unto me. So it don't matter when you show up, I'm still going to get the glory. Even in a dead situation, when it looked like it's not going to be fixed, he said, I'm going to bring life to that situation because I'm going to bring the word on the scene. So when Jesus came, they were crying, they were upset. And they said, if you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. But see, Jesus already knew the will of the father. Because he communed with him. That's what prayer is. You already know what the will of the Father is. So when Jesus got there, he said, Lord, he called him Father. He he let the Father know. He said, I know I hear you. He knew that he heard the Father. Why? He spent time with the Father. He knew the Father's voice. And as he began to talk to the Father, he just began to say, Lazarus, come forth. See, he was communicating with the Father, and God was bringing life to that dead situation. It is time for us to have a real relationship with God, a relationship where we take time to really talk with God. Some people look at prayer as you got to be in a certain position. Take whatever position you want to take, but don't use that as a ritual. Some people look like you got to come up to this altar with one knee down and one knee up and hitting the altar. Lord, if it's your will, I know you can do it. You done it for them. You can do it for me, but Lord, if it's your will, you can heal. Hush. You ain't been with the Father. And people are cheering that person on and their knees hurt. And the more you cheer them on, the more they just crank up even the more because they feel like they're bombarding heaven to get an answer. The Bible said he is the answer. 
So you don't have to do all of that. Anyone who says, Lord, if it's your will, don't know the father. You don't have relationship with the father. You're not in fellowship with the father. I know I got some haters out there. What's up? And it don't matter because God is bringing correction. We're here to root up these strongholds that people have built in their minds all of their life, thinking that they got to follow some ritual for God to come in the house. Come by here, Lord. Come by here. He's here. You know, we used to sing that song and don't even understand what we were singing. Somebody needs you, Lord. Come by here. And God is saying, I'm already here. Everything you need is already here right now. But we pick up these things because it's learned behavior. When you're around somebody and you have a mentor, you're watching what that mentor do and you're thinking, oh, they're reaching heaven because they're praying loud, they're praying long. That don't mean a hill of beans, as old people would say. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew 6 when he was talking about prayer, he said, don't be like the hypocrites. The hypocrites are play actors. They are pretenders. He said, don't be like them standing out in the synagogue to be heard by men when you pray. He said, don't be like the one who use vain repetition. That means they have them long, stretched out prayers. Have you ever been in a place in the prayer so long you down like this and you've been... They ain't through. And then you're thinking, then it get quiet and you say, amen. Then they start up again. You, you in the amen, it is so. And then they make it a little higher again, and then you bow back down again. Y'all, especially if you're at a dinner table and you're hungry. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Then that prayer get longer, and your stomach don't be feeling good, and you're like, I'm hungry. Come on now. Bless the food. Oh, don't take offense. Don't take offense. See, God is going to teach you a little something, something today. It ain't how long your prayer is. It ain't how loud your prayer is. It's the heart that God is looking for, people. It is the heart. God is looking for the heart. So God know where your heart is. Don't try to pray long because somebody pray long. Don't try to pray loud because somebody is loud and you think that they're moving heaven. God ain't deaf. God can hear you in your mind. He's not deaf. Look at your neighbor and say, God can hear well. But this is what we do, y'all, to get attention. This is what we do. Y'all know what we do when we feel like somebody have not heard us. We get loud. And then we get louder. And then we get loud and they say, I can hear you. So we have to understand what prayer is and what prayer is not. And when you understand these principles, when you go different places, when people are doing different things, now you don't want to knock them because they're unlearned, but you want to bring truth to them being unlearned. They just don't know. So this is why we get taught the things of God so we will know how to carry ourselves amongst other people when we are around them. Amen? So in the word of God, we see that those disciples wanted Jesus to teach them how to pray. Jesus just communicated with his father. He just spent time with his father to see what his father wanted, how his father wanted to carry out things. And we should know that God is only going to carry out things by his word. 
And when we honor the word of God, we're honoring him. And this is what Jesus did. This is what he told his disciples. Now, the Our Father prayer is a prayer that we use, that we go by. We don't just just pray that and don't understand what it means. So Jesus began to start out with Our Father, which art in heaven. So you got to know what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, you have to get to know him as your father. And he is in heaven. Get to know your heavenly father. Spend time with him. Commune with him. As you get to know him, you know that he's a loving father. You know that he's a father that loves you so much that when you come to him, you should know you already have what you asked for before you come. Because he want to make sure that you have everything that you are in need of even before you ask. So all of us have to get to know him as a father. Growing up with fathers, you know the love of those fathers. You know that you can go to that, that father and get anything from that father. You know how you can go and say, Daddy, I need. And before you say you need, sometimes that daddy will say, well, I ain't got it. The only thing you got to do is shed a little tears. They're going to find out how to get it for you. They're going to make sure you have what you need. Because a loving father is going to fight for you. A loving father is going to protect you. A loving father is going to love you even when you feel like you're not lovable. But they're going to let you know how much they love you in spite of how you feel. When you're feeling out of place, they're feeling out of place. When you're hurting, they're hurting. They're there to soothe you, even in the midst of your problems. That's what a loving father does. God said, know me as your father. If you don't know me as your father, it's because you're not spending time with me to know my love as a father. That's why the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's an unconditional love. When you know his love, he don't look at you. He look at his son. Some of us don't go to the father because we try to fix things before we go. We try to make things happen in our lives before we go to the Father. We say, I can't go to the Father any kind of way. Jesus done went to the Father on your behalf. Jesus is interceding on, on your behalf to the Father. So when I go to the throne, when I go to his throne in my time of need, God um, don't see me. He see his son. So I can find everything that I need through his son. So I don't have to act like God is not going to give me anything. God has given me everything through Jesus Christ. So I can come to him boldly with confidence and say, Father, I know you love me. Father, I know you already know what I'm in the need of before I ask. But God, you told me if I ask, I shall receive. You told me if I seek, I shall find. You told me if I knock, the door will be open to me. And God, I know the door is open because you love me so much. So I thank you, Father, that the need is already met, God even before I ask. Why? Because I know him as my loving father. When you know how much he loves you, you should not be ashamed in coming to him. No matter what you do or how you do it, God is going to love you. But what we do when we got things that's blocking us from God, what we do, we openly confess those things. Why do we do this? We do it so the enemy won't have enroll in our lives. That means that the enemy will make us feel guilty. He will make us feel like God don't love us because we said something we should not have said or we did something we should not have done. God is going to love you in spite of you. The love that God has for you is not based on you. 
It's based on his son, Jesus Christ. It's based on the one that died on behalf of us. We could not die to get rid of sin. That's why Jesus had to die on our behalf. So when we stand before the Father, it's not about us. It's about what Jesus done. So get to know him as a loving father. When you know him as a loving father, there's nothing that you should be ashamed of to go to the Father for. And this is why the word of God tells us in Matthew to seek ye first the kingdom. When we began to seek ye first the kingdom and the kingdom's way of doing things, the problem is we do seek the kingdom, but we don't seek the kingdom's way of doing. When you seek the kingdom, you got to seek the kingdom way of doing, then all of these things shall be added unto you. Why are we not seeing these things that God has promised? Because we're not seeking. We're not seeking the kingdom the way we need to seek the kingdom. And it's time for us to focus on kingdom. And it's time for us to get into the word of God and allow the word of God to get into us. The more you get into the word, the more you'll be living according to the word. The more you don't have to. You know how sometimes in Matthew 6 it tells you to go into your prayer closet. To get into that secret place. That means when he was saying that, you can have your closet for real. You can go in a closet if you choose to, to have time away with God. But some people literally take that for real. If I don't get in that closet, God won't hear me. You thinking, I got to do what the word of God said. He said, get in the closet. I got to do what he said. I got to stay in the closet for God to hear me. No, you don't. You just stay in communication with God, knowing that no matter where you are, God is going to hear according to his word. But you do need a place because the Bible says that Jesus was in a certain place. And it could have been any place, but he had his time alone with God. All of us need our time alone with God so we can hear him. So we'll be able to communicate with him alone. You can't be antsy. You can't get up and say, good morning, God. See you, God. That's not really communing with God. You got to take your time to really listen to what God has to say unto you. It's reminding me of Moses. When we look at Moses' life, remember when Moses met God at the burning bush. God began to talk with Moses. He was communing with Moses. And as he continued to commune with Moses, he began to build Moses up so he can go into the people of God. Moses had some low self-esteem. But the father began to talk with Moses, and he let Moses know he would be there with him. He even gave him someone to walk alongside of him, which was his brother Aaron. He said, but you know what? Aaron's going to have to take the words that I give you, and then he give it to the people. Either way, Moses, you're going to be communicating with me. So Moses learned how to commune with God. Look how you went to that high mountain. And when Moses went to that mountain to speak with God, he came back down transformed. He came back down with the words of life. And he began to speak those words of life to God's people. And that's what helped the people to get through what they were going through by taking the words that God had given Moses. That's how Moses got the Ten Commandments because he spent time with God. The more time you spend with God, the more time God will show you things that's going on in your life. He will show you how to fix what's messed up. Sometimes, y'all, we don't think we are messed up in some areas. Some of us ain't messed up, we tore up and don't really know it. 
because we've been living that way for so long that a person that communes with God and they have that relationship with God, when you walk in the room, God will begin to speak to them. He will begin to tell them the things in your life that's, that's going on in your life that's keeping you from that fellowship with God, that's keeping you from loving people. He'll begin to share with you the hurts of those people. Why do he, does he do it with some people, don't do it with others? Because God knows who he can trust. Some of us can't be trusted with people because the moment God shares something with us, we go tell it. We go tell people's business. Did you know that person is still in prostitution? See, God, see if he can trust you. Some of us get excited because we hear God and we want to share that excitement with other people of what God is saying. God will allow you to speak what he's saying, but he's not going to tell you something secret to tell somebody about somebody else. God will have you to let people know that you are hearing him, but when you go to that person, they're going to know that you've been with God. How do they know? Because it's something you ain't shared with nobody but God. And God will begin to speak to you through that person. Why? Because sometimes we don't be still and know that he's God. The Bible said, be still and know that I'm God. You got to get in a quiet place to know that he's God. I try constantly to stay in communication with God. I don't care where I am or what I'm doing. I'm saying, God, what would you have me to do? God, how would you have me to handle this? God, how would you have me to say this to this particular person? You cannot speak the same way to each individual. You cannot speak to somebody like a thug that ain't no thug. So you got to learn how to communicate. You got to learn your tone of voice. The way you carry yourself, y'all, is a must. If you got a person that's just so timid, a person that just don't understand where you're coming from, you have to say, Father, show me how to meet that person where they are. And the Father will begin to give instructions to Jesus. Jesus will begin to give it to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. Because they are one, right? But what it does is the Father... It's the Son and it's the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit gives us the information from the Father through the Son. Isn't he good? That's why you got to spend time with him to hear and know what God has to say in any particular situation. Because, y'all, we can mess up. And when we mess up, we got to go through what we have messed up. But guess what? The Father's still there in our mess up. Because he teaches us through our error. So don't get discouraged when you do something outside of the will of God and you felt like it was God. You're going to get through it. God is going to teach you as you go through it. But you're going to have to understand that God, sometimes he said, okay, you in this um, particular situation, you're going to be in it for a while, but I'm still your protector. I'm still your father. I'm still a God who will meet you where you are. Right now, we got people that are incarcerated. Some people didn't have to be incarcerated. And I'm pretty sure that God had warned. And actually, those commandments are right there um, in a person's heart saying, don't steal, don't kill, don't murder. But guess what? Because of that, um, that, that man, what, what is that man, y'all, we talk about? In the word of God. Huh? Not the God of the world. Remember, before we come to God, we had a man on the inside of us, a driving force, that old man. 
He was a driving force. Guess what he does? When the law said don't, that driving force that's in you say do, and it stirs it up, and then you end up doing something that you should not do. And But guess what God does? He still loves you. He still sends people to you, even the ones that's incarcerated. God has put people on assignment to send them in and out of prisons, in and out of different places to encourage them in the things of the Lord, to let them know I'm still a loving father. I'm still going to love you. You can still reach people where you are. So God, that's just how much God loves us. He will still commune with you wherever you are. When you begin to accept him, with your whole heart. So Moses, he communicated with him, and then he went back and communicated with the people. There is no way that I could teach you. There is no way that I can stand before you if I did not commune with the Father. Because my heart's supposed to be just like the Father's heart. No matter what's going on inside or outside the church, I have to seek him and say, God, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to do about this? How do you want me to do this? God, you know what we need. And when God just say, trust me, God said, I'm your supplier. I'm going to supply all of your needs. In the natural, you don't see it. But all of a sudden, you get a peace that comes upon you. Why? Because God said, daughter, I don't want you to be anxious about anything. He said, but through prayer. But through prayer, through communing with me, with supplication, he said, I want you to make your request known unto me with thanksgiving. See, we, live out, we leave out the thanksgiving part. We, we try to bombard heaven, but we're not thankful. We're supposed to give God thanks in all things. Do I give God thanks because I'm sick? No. I give God thanks because I don't have to be that way. Because Jesus made a way for me. So we want to stay in alignment with the word of God because we want to pray the word. When you pray the word of God, heaven is open. You don't have to beg God to do nothing. It's too many people begging God in prayer. It's too many people keep going to God and going to God. Do you know why we keep going to God? Because we don't believe God. When you believe his word, I'll give you a man that was Elijah in the Bible. In 1 Kings 17, we read this all the time. Elijah was a prophet, and a prophet is a spokesman for God. In the Old Testament, they had to go to the, through the prophets to hear what God has to say. This day, people, this is another error. You don't have to go through no prophet to hear God. People are dependent on prophets. It's a prophet in the house. Let's see what the prophet got to say. The prophet is only saying what the word has already been written. That's what they're doing. But in the Old Testament, they needed a prophet in order to hear what God had to say because God spoke to the prophets. So God was speaking to Elijah. How did Elijah know that there was going to be no rain for three and a half years? Because God spoke that to Elijah, and Elijah only spoke what the word of God said. Because in Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, God told those people, if you do not obey me, he said, you ain't going to have no rain. Elijah was only speaking what the word of God had already said. I want y'all to catch this. Quit trying to create prayer formulas. Quit trying to pray something outside of the will of God. It is not going to happen, Captain. Because you're praying outside of the will of God. Don't try to be an intercessor when you're not in the word. You cannot do anything outside of this word. Don't be trying to pray these faulty prayers, praying them loud, praying them long, and ain't no word in them. You got to pray according to the word. 
Elijah prayed according to the word of God. That's why it was no rain. And the thing was, when it was time for rain to come, Elijah had his head down. He was in a position of prayer, and he was hearing God, and he told, who was it, Ahab? Was it Ahab? Anybody? Was it Ahab? Thank you, Manny. It was Ahab. I needed a witness. It was Ahab. He told him, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It didn't look like it was going to rain. But guess what? He was hearing from the Father. And what he heard from the Father, he began to speak it forth. I want y'all to understand something. When you're in communication with God, and God give you a word, that word has to be spoken for manifestation to come. And when you speak what God is saying, you know that it is the Father that's speaking. He is the creator. And guess what? The worlds are upheld by the power of his word. So everything came together by the power of the word of God. Jesus, he is the word. So when you speak in the word forth, you speaking on the behalf of God. So guess what? They got rain. That's why when we go to the book of James and the fifth chapter, it said the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Now, why would James say that? Because he was getting to Elijah. His prayer was effectual. It was fervent. When you look at an effectual, fervent prayer, it is a person that's praying with zeal, with the desire. They they have that all in their heart. It's a heartfelt prayer. It's a sincere prayer. Why? Because they're going off the word of God. Then James was encouraging y'all. I like what James said. And this part, this is what James said about Elijah. He said, Elisha was a man subject to like passions as we are, James 5, 17. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on earth by the space of three years and six months. Now look at what Elijah did. Elijah had such a relationship with God. That when God gave him a word, he spoke that word, he trusted God, he believed God, he had faith in what God was saying. So Elijah was saying, it's not going to be any rain for three and a half years. Come on, you have to be in a relationship with God to speak that. Because guess what would happen? The enemy would be saying, you better not speak that. You know it's going to rain. Why are you lying to them people? But he had such a relationship, such faith in God. He spoke exactly what God was saying, and he went on about his business. And during that time, God took care of Elijah. So God is saying that when we begin to pray, we don't bombard heaven. What we do is take the word, we stand on the word, and we say, God, this is what your word is saying. This is what I believe, and you don't change your confession. You stand on what the word of God is saying. And this is what Elijah was doing. That's why his prayer was effective. We as believers, we are righteous because of Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't let the enemy stop us from going to God, thinking that our prayers are not going to be effective. If you are in the word of God and the word of God is in you, when you begin to open your mouth, the word of God is going to flow through you and everything around you is going to begin to change. See, depression shouldn't have to stay around us. The reason why depression stay around us is what we're thinking. And when we begin to think, we begin to say, and then our atmosphere begin to change. That means that we're losing communication with the Father because the Father's not depressed. He's not oppressed. He's 
none of those things. So when you go to the father, when you're going to him and you're down and out, you need to say, father, this is not like you. Because you and me and I'm in you. There's something that's causing me to be this way. I don't understand what it is. I need your help. Holy Spirit, you are my helper. You are my present help in the time of trouble. I need some help with this. This is not how it should be. This is not the way God created me to be. And that's when the Bible said, those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew your strength. So even in your waiting, you being still and you knowing that he's God and you know that he always answers you. You ain't going on how you feel. You going on that he is my answer and I don't have to be this way. So I begin to rejoice and give God glory and say, God, I thank you, God, that depression can't stay here. And then all of a sudden you get an unction and you begin to open your mouth. and You say, depression, I command you. In the name of Jesus to go in Jesus' name. And as you begin to thank God and as you begin to rejoice and then God begin to speak to you, he said, this is why you depressed. You allowed this. Come on. You got to be in communication with God because God know the root cause of what you're going through. He know the root cause of you always not having money. He know the root cause of why people do what they do because he is the creator. And he will create, he will regulate, he will do whatever need to be done. But he needs your participation. He needs for you to come to him so he can be the problem solver. So he can tell you how to handle that situation. Sometimes God says nothing. And if he says nothing, you do nothing. You don't move. If he ain't saying nothing, you do nothing. You just begin to rejoice and say, God, I thank you. That you have already answered me. That's what Jesus said. Jesus knew that God was his answer. You got to know that God is your answer through every situation. God is bigger than any problem. He's bigger than any situation. God knows best. He's your father. He knows what's best for you. Do you know everybody in this room? Your life is already written. Day by day, your life is already written. This is why when Jesus began to teach him the um, prayer, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You got to know that he's a holy God, that he's a God that's set apart. He's holy. So we want to honor him for who he is. He is holy. And then it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. God wants his kingdom to come. How is his kingdom going to come? Through communication. Through praying with him. Through getting into the word of God. And then you allow the kingdom to come back down here by what you speak. See, we're too quick to act instead of trusting God and his word. When we trust him and we trust his word, y'all, there's nothing that we cannot do. This is why when we look at the book of Nehemiah, I'm telling you, God is teaching you something. Don't take this teaching lightly. Some people's looking at this like, oh, well. See, there's some strongholds even in the room today. Because people are used to doing things the way that they do them, but they don't want to hear what the word of God is saying. The only time people want to hear the word is when they're in a deep, deep, deep thing. And they know they done tried everything and can't come out. And then they're looking for a solution. But Nehemiah, y'all know there was a burden on Nehemiah's heart. 
And that burden that he had was because of what he heard. And Nehemiah began to commune with God. He began to talk to God. He began to remind God of the things that he bought him out of. He began to even repent for the sins of the people, for his sins, any blockers that was in the way. See, but right now, Jesus is our intercessor. He intercedes on our behalf. So guess what? We can go to the Father, right? But Nehemiah, he trusted God. He needed answers from God. So when God gave him the go-ahead, when God told him what to do, it worked out, didn't it? The temple walls were built. There's nothing, Miracle Temple, that we cannot do if we go to God. If we come in, in togetherness, if we come into unity, the Bible said a divided house will not stand. So this is why when God give me something and I'm giving you what God has given me, all of us should be on one accord. We should be praying together for the thing that God has given this house. And if the enemy want to come in and attack what God is doing in this house, we should be able to decree and declare what the word of God has to say to come against that attack. But what's happening in the body of Christ, some of us are selfish. We're only thinking about us. Let me tell you something. When you commune with God, it ain't about you no more. You know that God got your back. It ain't about your need no more. It's about God. How can I help somebody else? You already know my need. So God, I thank you that my need is already fulfilled. You said you know what I was in the need of even before I asked. So God, I thank you that that need is met. And then he said, give us this day, day by day, our daily bread. So we got to understand that when we go to the Father, we already know that God has already made provision for this day. Have you noticed we get anxious when we try to get more in a day than what we need? Look at the Israelites in the book of Exodus and how they weren't satisfied with what God had given them. They weren't satisfied with the manna, the bread that was coming from heaven. So God was telling them, this is what I want you to do. You have a quota for each day. Don't go over this quota. Don't take more than what you need. Come on, people, what do we do? One thing ain't enough. We want two. Two things ain't enough. We want three. And we keep climbing and climbing and climbing. Somebody bless you with 50. 50 ain't enough. Come on, give me some more. Somebody bless you with a dollar. A dollar ain't enough. I need five. It's never enough. We're never content because we're not doing things day by day. God, thank you for this day. He said, don't you think about tomorrow. Tomorrow have worries of itself. You stay in the day that you're in and say, God, thank you that you have supplied for me on this day. So when we live day by day, we won't have concerns and worries because we know that God have already taken care of that day. He know how much money is going to come in your hands. He know how much money you make. He know what it takes for you to live. And whatever it takes for you to live, that's how you got to go to the Father. You got to say, Father, y'all know the, the Bible. What did Jesus do with two fish, five loaves of bread? It didn't look like it was enough, but he had a heavenly Father who can. So he lifted up to the Father. He began to thank Father, the Father for the little that he had. And he blessed it. And then what did he do? He gave it back to the disciples. He said, now give to the people. Why? It started with the father. He was seeking the kingdom first. Look at your neighbor say, pay attention. We bind every distraction that's in this room on today. Every hindering spirit, every sleepy spirit that has come in the room to keep you sleep. 
to keep you from hearing what the word of God has to say, we come against it right now in Jesus' name. See, the enemy don't want you to hear this. Why? Because he know prayer is communication with God. He know that the more that you pray, the more that you're going to know what to do and how to do it. You have to stay in communication with God. And to stay in communication with him, you have to stay in the word of God. You cannot do it without the word. Y'all, there is power in prayer. Sometime late at night when my husband is sleeping, I'm just looking up and I'm talking to the father. I'm asking the father something and the father come back and he, I'm telling you, it's so good. Because when you know, and this is what I tell the father, I say, father, if you can't do it, nobody can. So father, I have to come to you. I can't go to my husband, can't go to my daddy. Some people say, why don't you come to me? Because it wasn't for me to come to you. I have to come to him first and foremost. Because God told me to seek ye first the kingdom. Before all of this happened with the church, God let me know that it was a storm that was coming. You know, God has shown you what's coming. And God showed me myself in that storm. And in that storm, it was like I rolled through the storm. I was seeing the devastation that was happening, but God saw me watching the storm. So God was preparing me for for the storm. And when the storm came, I did not know it was going to hit this church the way it hit this church. Church was still standing. But when we come out here, it was leaks everywhere. And we just thinking, we just need a roof. Come on, God has a way of working things out. But before I even check the church, and I'm in prayer, y'all. I'm telling you, prayer is communication. God would give me exactly what to say to the congregation and and send the, the saying out to the congregation. Every day, he would give me something. Why? Because I was before him. I was encouraging the people of God, letting them know that God still got us. He was giving me songs. He was just bringing me encouragement. And then the Lord told me, he said, I'm taking care of you. He said, I will always take care of you. He said, you will have no lack. He said, don't look at how it appeared to be. God would give me what he wanted me to have. And when I come out here and saw all this devastation, I was like, oh, it's just the roof. You know, it's just the roof. But God began to remind me what he has said. You're not going to miss nothing. You're going to have more than enough. So I will begin to speak. And come on, y'all. And I'll say this again, even with Jesse DePlanis, I don't know him like that, but God does. When God told me what to say to Jesse, and he told me um, about what to say, when to sin, and then God said, what I want you to do, he said, I want you to speak that I'm going to turn his ministry towards your ministry. See, I prayed what God told me to pray. I sent it in, but God said, now I want you to take authority over this. I want you to say that their hearts is turned towards Miracle Temple. I said, okay, God. And I left it alone. Then they're going to call us from Jesse DePlanis Ministry and tell us, we're going to give y'all $5,000. Jesse and Kathy told us to give it to you. Who does that but God? God know what you need. And then immediately the lady said, and we're going to send it overnight. It got here the next day. God know what you need, but you got to be in communication with him to know what God is saying for such a time as this. So after God done that, y'all, when they, we needed somebody to do the church, we didn't even know that we had somebody to do it. And the Lord reminded me, you got someone down there in that home that can tear out the church. And guess what? 
They came out here, they tore out the church, y'all, and, they, and, and God used that for his glory. The reason I'm saying all of this, it took prayer and communication between me and God to hear what God wanted to do for Miracle Temple. Everything that you see in here, I saw it before they finished it. Why? Because this is what God wants to be done. And anything that he wants to be done, he's going to show it to you before it's finished. So I had no excitement because I knew what it was going to look like. He showed me every bit of it. Let me tell you, God is so good that he will even touch the heart of the insurance people. He touched their heart and was giving us things that we shouldn't even have got right then. Come on, somebody. God is just so good. He tell you what to do and how to do it. I did not murmur and complain. I just said, okay. And my husband, he would look at me sometimes like I was crazy. Because as soon as I would walk in here, I said, what about that? I just look up. What about that? And my husband said, you're going to make sure you get everything. Sure am. Everything I see is what I'm going to ask. They say, you ask, you have not because you ask not. And I wasn't asking amiss. I was asking according to my heart. See, we was looking just to get a roof, but God said, I'm going to renovate from all over. It's, it was towed up from the floor, but God came in here and he did a work. And I'm trying to tell you, this is why the Bible said the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. See, I knew what my father could do. Outside of what it looked like, outside of what it appeared to be, God was still moving in the midst, y'all, because you got to go to him as a loving father to know that your need is already met. And our problem is if we don't see it right then, we think God ain't moving. Come on, God done got everything already set up. The only problem is we need to bring heaven to earth. And you can't bring heaven to earth without the word of God. And the more you stay into the word of God and you begin to speak the word, then you begin to get manifestation from the word. But if you give up on the word before you see manifestation, then it looks like God ain't doing nothing. That's what the enemy wants you to perceive, that God is not doing anything. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell y'all, God loves me. He loves me so, so much. And I'm not just saying that, but he does. Because I can go to my father and my daughter, Ariel, she was telling me about a trip she wanted to go on. And I always tell Ariel, I say, Ariel, know you're grown, baby, but we're going to see God on that thing. And I left it alone. Ariel knows sometimes I just fuss and fuss. I left it alone. I went to daddy. I went to father God. I said, father, they want to go way over there somewhere in South Carolina talking about gutting out houses. You know what's good for my daughter, and you know what's not good for my daughter, so I just thank you that it's already worked out. Lord, if it ain't in your plan, it's already canceled, but I'm going to leave it alone, and I just rejoice. My daughter had told me, she said, Mama, we went to a meeting, they had canceled the trip. Glory. (laughs) See, I'm just telling her that right now. (laughs) Mama, they had canceled the trip. Glory. That's all I said. So then she said, but they're rescheduling or nothing. I said, oh, Lord, here we go again. Here we go again. So I just sat there and I said, well, Lord, I'm putting this in your hands. And I heard nothing from the Lord about this trip, nothing. And I'm saying, okay, but I got some peace about this trip. So my baby went five days on the trip, did volunteer work for those five days, and I was at peace. Didn't talk to her that much, text her every now and then, but I knew God had her. 
See, this is what I'm saying. Y'all take this seriously. We're missing out because we're not trusting God and we're trying to do it ourselves. Remember the two men that was praying in the word of God? It was a Pharisee and it was a tax collector. The Pharisee was based in his prayer on what he did. You know, I pay my tithes and I do this. I'm not an adulteress like this man. I mean, that's what we do in our prayers. We compare each other. Well, Lord, you know, I'm a good person. I ain't like that old Eric back there. You know, he be doing this and he, I'm a good person, Lord. So I know you're going to hear me before you hear old Eric, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because I pay my tithes and I don't do what old Eric do. God done heard me. Eric is in trouble. But old Eric, he get before God and he don't even look up. He just beating his chest. And he said, Lord, forgive me, oh me. I'm just a sinner. Who you think God heard, Eric? See, that's our problem. We look at what people do and we compare like I'm better than you. Yeah, I'm talking to some of you up in here. You think you better than that person because you saw this person lie. But come on now. So you saying, Lord, help that person to quit lying. I know I'm over the line stage, but uh, Lord, I need this bill paid. Then you're leaving like, hallelujah, my bill paid. And it still ain't paid. Because we look at prayer the wrong way. God don't see you. He sees his son. So when you go to the father. You don't have to keep going and going and going. The only reason why you keep going is because you know that God is a God that answer and you're not hearing the answer. You're saying, God, I know I need you. It got to be me. So show me what's blocking me. This is the scripture we use to try to get God attention. Luke 18. And I'm not going to quit teaching until the Holy Spirit says stop. Luke 18, and he spoke a parable unto them to this end that men ought to always to pray and not to faint, saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard, regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Now, listen at this. This widow was coming to this judge being very persistent because it was something that she wanted from this judge. This judge got so tired of her coming to him that he gave her what she wanted. Now, is that not how we sometimes do with our children? They keep bothering you and bothering you, and bothering you, and bothering you. You be like, here boy, take it and get out my face. We don't hold our ground, right? We just go ahead and do it because they're very persistent. Now, Jesus is just using this parable, but this is why. Then Jesus went on to say this. He said, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. This is why Jesus used this parable. We do not have to keep coming to God over and over again. When we come to God, we come to him by faith. We come to him believing that we have already received what we asked for before we ask. We don't have to keep being persistent with God because when you know what you already have, you don't have to be begging God for nothing. God is not unjust like this judge. He is a loving father. 
He know what you're in the need of before you ask. He would avenge you speedily. Actually, he already got it prepared before you ask. You're asking God because you know what belongs to you. You know your rights. You know what God has already prepared for you already. So when I go to God, we don't go to God and we don't ask for healing. You thank God that you already healed. We don't go to God and say, God, I'm coming to you and I ask that you heal me. Scratch that word. What you need to do is go to God and say, God, I thank you that I am already the healed because your word tells me that I am the healed of the Lord. Your word tells me that by Jesus stripes, I was already healed. Your word tells me that he took my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. Your word tells me that you sent your word and you have already healed me and delivered me from my destruction. So I command my healing because it's already mine. You don't ask God for something you already have. You're going to God because you know what already belonged to you. So when you keep going to God asking him for something, that's doubt and unbelief, or you go into him because you don't know what you already have. Y'all, this is why you got to connect with the word. If you don't connect with the word, you ain't connecting with God. And I'm going to tell you something. Now that you're in here today, knowing about prayer, you ain't ignorant no more. See, God winks at ignorance, but you ain't ignorant no more. Sometimes God knows you don't know about prayer, know how to pray, and sometimes you get it, you wing it. But ain't no winging no more, y'all. We have to stay in communion with God to know what the word of God has to say unto us. And as we know this word, then we live this word. We speak this word. We talk this word. God told me none of my words will fall to the ground. God said, watch what you speak because it shall come to pass. See, when you in communion with God, God will show you you. He will show you you. He will show you what's in you. Your words have power, y'all. So we want to make sure that we're speaking the word of God. And this is why when God said, no, that shall live and not die and declare the work of the Lord. When somebody said it's dead, the devil is alive. You're going to stand. That's when you persistent. That's when you're standing. That's when you say, ah, it ain't going to happen, Captain. Because God's word said this. My grandfather, I don't care what you told him. Can't so. I'm like, granddaddy. I'm telling you what they said. He said, I'm going to tell you this. You either believe what the word is saying or you believe what they're saying. You got a choice and God ain't even going to be mad at you. He said, but you got a choice on what you're going to believe. God give you the right to choose. I remember that I wanted a car so bad, y'all. wanted a car so, so bad because he got a car. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He got him that little white ghost, they call it, that little escort. And I had my little nice Chevette, nice rim. Don't know what you have, but you're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. Hello, somebody. Don't know what you have. Always, And, and I remember this. I was sitting in the house one day, and I was in Cape Fear Community College, and I had gotten some mail, didn't know what it was. So I took it to Granddaddy, and I said, Granddaddy, I got this right here in the mail. Granddaddy looked at it. He said, well, I'm going to tell you like this. He said, you got a right to choose this. I said, what's up, Granddaddy? He said, this is the title to your car. That man signed the car over to you. You have the right to keep it, or you have the right to give it back to the man. Now, check this. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to be fair. I called that man. And I said, I got this title to, the, to this car. And I remember I was paying him $50 a week, going to college, working and everything. 
And thank God for a grandfather who knows God. And Granddaddy said, I'm going to tell you right now, do not get rid of this car. Okay, Granddaddy. So the man, when I called him about the title, the man told me, he said, I sure did. I signed it over to you, so it's up to you if you want to keep it or not. I said, keep it. I kept it. So anyway, long story short, when he got that car, in my mind, mm-mm, he ain't going to outdo me. I'm going to get me something new. This Chevette is old, right? So I'm looking everywhere, y'all, for a car and everything. Let me tell you how you will mess up. You will mess up if you don't listen because Granetta said keep the car. So I went and got a Yugo. Y'all know what a Yugo is? A Yugo. I kept that car for three years. Tried to trade it, couldn't trade it. The man bought it on the lot. He laughing at me. He said, you been driving this car backwards. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you only got 26,000 miles. You had this car for three years. So long story short with the car, could not get rid of the car. Let my daddy drive it one day and somebody hit him and total lost the car. So daddy said, well, the insurance company said that they can put you in another Yugo. I said, the devil is a lie. I ain't getting in another one. So I I kept looking, y'all. Let me tell you how God answered prayers. I was not saved, but when you have people praying on your behalf. But I remember this. God honors your heart because he know where your heart is. And he will draw you more to him as well, even when you're in your sin, if you will listen. So I remember he was taking me around. And he was so nice, y'all. We was dating then. He said, you can drive my car. And I said this. Yes, I did. I looked at him, I said, how can I drive your car and you taking your mama everywhere? How am I have a car? But I had to apologize, that was wrong. Anyway, I went all over Wilmington looking for a car. And the last place I went, the man said, if you give me money down, we'll put you in this car. He said, you done been all over Wilmington. I see every place you went and you can't get a car. So he told me, he said, wait, let's just talk to your dad and see what happened. On the way home, y'all, I bowed my head. I said, Father, I said, whatever you want me to have, that's what I take. And I'm not going to move off of what you want me to have. I left it alone. I got a phone call from my sister. She said, where are you at? And I told her, she said, this man from down there to the Chevrolet place in Wilmington has been trying to get up with you. I called this man. He said, I got two new cars down here. You take your pick of which one you want. You can come back and get it tonight. What am I saying to you? I let go of me, of what I wanted to do, and how I wanted to do it, and I drove off that lot with a new car. I'm telling you today, when you stay in communication with God, some of us communicate more with Facebook than we do God. Some of us wait on answers from Facebook people more than we wait on an answer from God. You know what? I have to say this again. Y'all wake up, smell the coffee. Facebook was made... For the devil. We Christian folks are on it because it's free. Hello, somebody. I'm just going to put it out there. See, I I done offended somebody already. Now you're talking all in your head. But I'm going to say this. We get on these free sites because they're free. Soon as they begin to tell you you got to pay, you ain't going to be up there long. Because if they tell you you got to pay by how much you type, you ain't going to be up there too long. Because you're going to be trying to get your tides to Facebook. Because you'd rather be on Facebook than you'd rather be in the church. And I'm going to tell it how it is. Let me tell y'all something. I'm just going to go here because I, I feel a spirit of um, loving anger rising up in me. Because I know it's the Holy Ghost. 
See, he done switched up on you. Let me tell you how I know it's the Holy Ghost. Facebook is hear me, see me, be attached to me. There's nobody on Facebook. Some people don't show a face. But you change your profile picture. Could anybody tell me why? Help me, somebody. Speak now. See, we don't want to talk, right? Why do you change your profile picture? Because your smile look better. Your hair look better. You done lost weight, so you want everybody on Facebook to see how you look. Why do people put pictures on Facebook that they're in the emergency room? Why do people put pictures on Facebook of everything each child do? Why do people put pictures on Facebook of what they do and how they do it? They want to be seen, heard, and attached to or, or, or love you to the moon and back. Why do we do that, people? Come on. I'm rooting up. Every now and then you might put something God said to throw people off. But the truth is, hear me, see me, be attached to me. People want you to be in their space. And if you don't say nothing good, people up there posing like crazy. And don't you know people lying to you on Facebook? They tell you you look good and then talk behind your back. But we believe those lies because those are strongholds coming through Facebook to keep you in bondage to Facebook. Then we get hurt because your friend done done something that they didn't invite you to do. And you seeing them all over Facebook. Why they ain't invite me? I thought I was your friend. You were never my friend. You just clicked me as a friend. You don't know me like that. We stay in communication more with Facebook than we do with God. People even got prayer chains on Facebook. People tapping into them prayer chains and don't even know about prayer. Eating in the word and saying, amen, it is so. Nobody want to talk about that. Long as people say I look good, I feel good. Nobody don't give me a comment, I'm mad. That's not staying in communication with God. Matter of fact, people try to redeem themselves on Facebook. That's the worst place you can try to get redemption. When you know you've been redeemed, the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When you got to go up there and try to correct something that you've been in, hello, apostle. Something wrong with that. Facebook. And people ain't going to do nothing but talk you down anyway, even though you're telling the truth. They're going to still say you're lying. But you're trying to make yourself feel good, and then you're on Facebook seeing how many followers you got. God keep warning you. Warning you and warning you and warning you about Facebook. And the more you get warned, the more you post it. Am I telling you to get off? I'm telling you to seek the Lord. I'm telling you to hear what God wants you to put up there. You don't have to put a face to what God is saying. God is a spirit. Those that worship him can worship him in spirit and in truth. But if you choose to put a face, you don't have to keep changing that face because you think you look good. Some people even put where they live. That's how the cops catch you. Friend even set you up and say what you stole. Catch you running. They got you in jail. Your friend done you like that. Thought it was funny. 
put you up there for being drunk. Who does that? They ain't no friend. That's a hater. But that's my friend. And you up there like, uh. Come on, this is why people getting hurt. This is why people committing suicide is happening on Facebook. You telling all your problems to Facebook and think you on a private chat. Woman thought she was on a private chat talking about somebody's child and got fired before her retirement. Lost everything. Y'all better wake up. God trying to help you up in the house. But see, when I talk about this, you get mad. You, you, you lash out at me, but I don't care. Because see, when you know the truth, the truth is what make you free from you being in bondage. Shoot, I'm proud of my kids too. But I ain't posting them all over Facebook. If they want to post themselves, post on, baby. But I'm not going to do that. Because guess what? Kids get up there and compare. Well, why didn't you post me, mama? Everybody got pictures. They mama and daddy. Well, you see me every day. Just take a picture. Can't go nowhere without seeing your face. Girl, you caught the wrong angle. You know you shouldn't got the front. Come on, let's just be real. Deliverance is available for you and you and you. Some of you ain't hiding behind Facebook. You're hiding behind Instagram. The Twitter, Twitter have a face. It does. It does. Really? Ooh. So what am I saying today? Stay in communication with God and you will know how to treat Facebook. Right? Stay in communication with God and you will know what to say on Facebook. Some people get on Facebook because they're bored and they don't have no social life. They get bored and they go scrolling to see what everybody else is doing. And surely you will find out. Because people have followers. I'm going to say, leave it at this. Know whom you are following. That's what all of us. Miracle Temple have a Facebook page, and I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. Y'all, I screw up something on Facebook. I have to ask the pastor sometime, what I do? <laughs> you will screw something up. You got to be careful, y'all. Use it righteously. That's what I'm saying. Don't get caught up on Facebook finding out things. Anybody who puts you on Facebook to make you look bad, that ain't love. You know why they make you look bad? So they can look good acting like they done something for you. They ain't done nothing for you but made you have low self-esteem. Don't fall for them lies. So stay in communication with God. Learn to spend time with him. Y'all don't just just do it a little bit. Do it all day. Get your private time with God. I have a particular area I sit in in my living room. Bless my daughter's heart. When she come home, she take my little chair. But I sit there, and me and God just have communication. And I just sit there and talk with him and just hear what he has to say and just love on. Sometimes I hit a little tune. I may be all out of tune, but God know my heart. And that's a special place for me and God. So what am I telling you? Please, get in communion with God and you know where to be, when to be there, what to say, and how to say it. And when you stay in communion with him, you'll know when to apologize, even when you think you don't. 
That's why we need to stay in communion. Go to 1 John, and I'm going to close after this one. 1 John 5. Listen at what John is saying. Isn't the word good? 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence, the assurance that we have in who? In him. When you have confidence, assurance in him, that if we ask anything, anything, anything according to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence that you're supposed to have when you go into him in prayer. That if you ask anything according to his will, he hear you. And if you know that he hear you, whatsoever you ask, you know that you have the petition that you desire of him. You got to know, y'all, that if you ask in according to his will, it already belongs to you. You don't have to bar, just beg God. Because when you know what God has said, there's no begging in that. You just begin to speak out what God is saying, going on about your business, rejoicing, giving God's thanks, and say, God, it may look this way, but that ain't what you said. So, God, I give you glory, honor, and praise to what you said and how it's supposed to be. Last testimony. I remember my son Jeremy was looking for a job, and God knew his heart, but God knew where Jeremy needed to be. Sometimes we go on jobs because of this we think money is what saves us but it's not we learn that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil so I would pray on Jeremy's behalf and I would give God glory and and I'll say God wherever you want my son to be God that's where he would be God I speak that you open doors that no man can close you shut doors that no man can open I thank you for that job right now in advance. And that was my prayer for Jeremy. And I remember one day I was on the porch and I was just talking to God. And God said, speak today that a job is open for Jeremy. So I spoke what God told me. How about the man that was how general manager ended up calling Jeremy and said he was looking through applications and his name popped up. And he told him to come in and fill out the application. Jeremy got the job. No wonder how he got that job. It was because of hearing. And by me hearing, I began to speak what God was saying on his behalf. See, when we stand in the gap on behalf of our children, we can hear sometimes what they don't hear. And I remember one day, and this is funny with Jeremy. Jeremy is a person, he'll pay his bills. If you have a little left, you make it the rest of the week, right? And um, I said, Jeremy, don't be calling me for nothing. Don't be calling me for nothing. You better handle your business. I got it, Mom, I got it. So I was praying that day, and all of a sudden, I had an open vision of Jeremy. And I could hear, Jeremy is hungry. <laughs> it was funny. I heard, Jeremy is hungry. So I said, oh, my baby hungry. He must need some money. That's what I was saying. How about he was doing a job that week, and Jeremy called his daddy and said, Daddy, guess what? He said, I was doing a job, and this um, Mexican come up to me after I finished the job and handed me some money. Out my hand, it was $40. Look at God. Look at God. So I called Jeremy. I said, Jeremy, I was in prayer, and I saw you, and it was like you were hungry today. He said, Mom, I was down to my last $8. And this man, he come up to me, and he gave me $40. Y'all, see, we laughing. But I'm telling y'all what prayer would do. God would show you your children. He would show you the need that, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. 
didn't say that to make my son look bad. I'm saying it because I'm rejoicing to know that God met my son's need because God showed me. So it don't matter how much money you're lacking. When you trust God, he will put it in your hands. He will give you what you need. So if you don't have money in your pocket today, you're supposed to be looking up. And giving God glory that he is your supplier of all of your needs. He's the one that supply your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Quit being so tight-fisted. Release them hands. And say, God, what do you want me to do with the little that I have? It ain't much, but what do I need to do? And guess what? He'll show you. He'll show you what to do and how to do it. Nothing missing, nothing broken. He is Jehovah Shalom. He will give you what you need. You got to trust him. Stay in communication with him. God created us. We didn't create ourselves. He's our heavenly father. When you hurt, he hurt. And sometimes God allow you to feel his hurt for his people. That is him. When you got a burden for me or somebody else, God is feeling that burden on behalf of me. And he's giving it to you to say, I want you to pray for apostle. But some people don't want to pray for nobody. But that's how God does it. He put people on your heart because he loved those people and he wants you to be trusted. He trusts you with those people he's given you. Lord, teach us to pray. So it won't be such a hard task. Because sometimes in prayer, y'all, some people dread it. Some people think they prayed for 30 minutes. It's been five. Because they're trying to do it their way. But when you communicate with God, you look up. You done been there for an hour or two hours. Just you and God talking. Just you being in your word. And you can feel the peace, the joy, the love, the security, the protection. And you're not anxious or concerned. Because you know your father has it. So, Lord, my prayer is today that everybody in this room have heard from heaven today. And everything that they have heard, God, we thank you that they take it to heart. And we thank you, God, that they go back through this teaching. And, God, they spend that time and they commune with you on a daily basis. And, God, whatever spirit that has been sent to bring distraction, God, to keep them from seeking ye first the kingdom of God, God, I tear it down and I root it up right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father God, for doing far and exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can even ask or think according to the power that now worketh in us. So, Father, I thank you today that we're lenders and not borrowers, that we're above and not beneath. I thank you that we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the fields, we're blessed in our storehouses, we're blessed in the fruit of our wounds. Everything our hands touch is blessed. You have given us the power today to get wealth. So I thank you for all of that today, and you have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. And I call them forth right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that it's sealed in Jesus' name and by the blood of Jesus. And I speak healing today to every person in this room, body, that's going through pain, that's going through any sickness or any disease. I speak healing to your body. I say be healed, be made whole in Jesus' name. 
every tissue, every organ, every cell, every vital sign, every muscle, every tendon, every bone, every joint, every marrow in your body now functions the way God has created them to function. There is no malfunction in your body's own today. In Jesus' name. And God, I speak right now that every need in this place has already been met. In Jesus' name. Come on and give him glory. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Doesn't God know how to come through and let you know what to do and how to do it according to his word? Y'all don't take it lightly. Can we have the um, announcements at this time, please? The announcements. <laughs>